the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Rosenthal Wealth Management. A registered representative offering securities and advisory services through Satera Advisor Networks, LLC, a broker, dealer, and registered investment advisor. Member FINRA SIPC. Satera is under separate ownership from Rosenthal Wealth Management Group. Rosenthal Wealth Management Group is located at 9265 Corporate Circle in Manassas, Virginia, and can be reached at 703-330-3100. Chris McKay is not affiliated with Satera Advisor Networks, LLC, nor Rosenthal Wealth Management Group. Bob Jones is an employee of Rosenthal Wealth Management Group and affiliated with Satira. It's time now for Making Money Sense, live with Larry Rosenthal. Larry is recognized as one of the nation's leading financial and retirement planners and is here to answer your questions right now. Author, speaker, and talk show host Larry Rosenthal is dedicated to teaching others financial stewardship from a biblical point of view. Call Larry now. Studio lines are open at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Making Money Sense is on the air. Well, welcome once again to the Larry Rosenthal Show. And in the studio with us today again is Dina Arnett. We are pleased to have her here. She is such a joy to enjoy being around with today. So tell us, Dina, what are we talking about today? What's going on? Well, you know, we've got to talk about the market. We've got to talk about the Fed. We've got to talk about the R word. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, We really have to? (laughs) Well, we should. Okay. If you are vehemently opposed, I'm sure I can find something else. No, I think we need to talk about it. A lot of of controversy, a lot of questions, you know. Well, sure. Absolutely. And then I am going to bring things back around to financial planning after we talk about these things, because it is it, it's a worrisome time. People are asking me every single day, can I still retire on schedule? Can I still afford to send my kids to college? What about this new house we wanted to buy in a couple of years? People have all these questions and and these are questions that true financial planning can address. So let's talk about the markets. Let's talk about the R word, and then we'll talk about financial planning. How's that? Sounds great. Take it away. Excellent. Excellent. Well, believe it or not, yesterday was the last trading day for the month of July. And guess what? It was our best month in all three major U.S. indices since 2020. Go figure. So July was great. Um, The Dow was up almost 3% just this week. Okay, Um, the Dow actually recouped 6.7 percent for the month of July. The Dow is still down a little over nine and a half percent, but that's a very, very nice rebound from the lows that we saw in June. The S&P was up four and a quarter this week, 9.1 percent for the month. The S&P is still down 13 and a third, but we've made up a good chunk. And the NASDAQ was the big winner for the month. The NASDAQ actually gained 4.7% 4.7% just this week, yeah, and the NASDAQ that. is up 12.4% for the month of July. Still down a little over 20%, but 
but tracking in a positive direction. And and I truly think that the reason the market has reversed itself so nicely in the month of July I think, first of all, a lot of the ugly news was already priced in. Mm -hmm. The fear drove the market down earlier in the year. So much of the stuff that we heard this week that we didn't really like, the market had already figured that in and just kept barreling forward. Um, I think also investors aren't as worried today about the aggressive pace of Fed interest rate hikes Um There is some idea starting to take root that perhaps inflation has peaked and that when we're a few months down the road, we'll look back and we'll say, you know what? In the summer, inflation peaked and the market bottomed, and then we Mm -hmm. moved on from there. Mm -hmm. We've been hearing for quite some time that the second half of 2022 would be better than the first half. So I think maybe this is the start of that. Oh, that's exciting. It's It's been very nice. And, and one thing I always tell my clients, and perhaps I've said it on the show here too, no matter what the, the market circumstance is, no matter what the economic circumstance is, it'll pass. Whether it's good or whether it's bad, it'll pass. Because these things are cyclical. We have roaring bull markets where companies are earning money hand over fist and investor sentiment is high and everybody wants to buy the stocks. That'll drive the market way up. But when something comes in like, I don't know, 40-year high inflation (laughs) um, and Fed interest rate hikes that are higher than we've seen in decades, sometimes that introduces some uncertainty. And when the market is injected with a big dose of uncertainty, it tends to go down. It doesn't mean that the sky is falling. It doesn't mean that these companies that you once wanted to invest in, it doesn't mean they're going belly up. It means we're going through a hard time, and that is cyclical. It is something that will always happen. If you're going to be an investor, you're going to experience the highest highs, and you may experience some lower lows. That's all part of being an investor. There's there's really not, there's not a consistent and repeatable way to avoid riding that ride. But you can stress test your portfolio over time, and you can have it sort of planned in yourself, can't you? If you if you plan ahead and you, you expect some of these things to happen, in the Absolutely. end, your end goal is what you want, right? Well, and the fun thing, when we do financial planning with our clients, we map out goals, we look at savings, we look at investments, we look at expenses, and we and we map out this game plan to get our clients where they want to be, mm-hmm. whether that's retirement, buying a new house, sending kids to college, whatever those goals may be. We build it all out. And one of the things with financial planning that thus far software is not truly able to to handle is the fact that when you do a financial plan, it's going to assume some constant rate of return. So if I put 6% into your financial plan, Chris, this financial plan is going to assume that you get that 6% every single year. Mm-hmm. It never deviates. That's a fallacy with financial planning, even in the 21st century. And the way that we get around that is using this this tool, this statistical tool called Monte Carlo analysis. Yeah. Monte Carlo analysis is the financial planning, uh, the financial planning uh, sector's way to 
answer, well, what about volatility? Mm -hmm. Because the Monte Carlo simulation is going to run a thousand different scenarios with completely random rates of return, and it's going to assign a probability of success. And even in this market, even with the economy flashing recessionary signals here and there, I'm sitting down with my financial planning clients and I'm showing them, look, you still have a very high probability of success. Your financial plan still works at your originally planned retirement date, your child's go-to-college date. All of this still works. And it's because we've done financial planning. It's very, very hard to know where you are on the track if you haven't actually laid the track. And that's what the plan is. Yeah. Got to have that financial plan. That's the cool thing about Rosenthal Wealth Management. You can get that pretty easily. Hey, if you'd like to dial in with any questions, 855-767-3123, 855-ROSE123, to talk to Dina Arnett, who is our financial planner in studio here today. Dina. Thank you. Thank you. So a couple of big things happened this week from mm. an economic perspective. Of course, we know the Fed met and as expected, the Fed increased that federal funds rate, that that interest rate that banks charge one another. They increased that rate by 0.75 percent, three quarters of a percentage point. That was not a surprise. There were some who thought in wake of the 9.1% inflation reading, they might hike by a full point. But no, the Fed actually is looking at a whole bunch of different things uh, in trying to determine that. And while they, they are seeing that certain things have softened in the economy, so for example, spending and production have softened a little bit, but job gains are still out there. The, the, Unemployment rate still has us at 3.6%. That is full employment. And right now that number is not going up, meaning that my unemployment rate's not increasing because we're not seeing companies yet lay people off. Actually, you see a lot of help wanted signs almost everywhere see you go. See a whole lot of those help wanted signs. But this is a big part of why there is is a hesitance to say yeah, we're in recession. Mm -hmm. I do not personally believe we're in recession. The GDP is a gross domestic product. That is how we measure our productivity as a society. And there's a lot of pieces that go into that GDP number. And if I look purely at two consecutive quarters of falling GDP and I say, yep, that's it, we're in recession, that negates a lot of the other positive, very strong things that we're seeing in the economy right now. And a big, big bright spot is what I just said. It's the employment situation. We've got very low, full employment. We've got companies still trying to hire for open positions. And we've got wages that are still going up. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying everything is, is bright and rosy. There are things that are slowing down. I just don't believe that they've all slowed down enough to say that we, in the first half of 2022, went into recession. Mm -hmm. In fact, there is, there's a group called the National Bureau of Economic Research, the NBER. They're the ones who declare the recession, and they don't even really consider the GDP, not in a way that, that we all look at it and say, oh, 
Yeah, that's it. Um, the NBER actually defines recession as a significant decline in economic activity spread across the economy lasting more than a few months. Now, that's not to say that two consecutive quarters of negative GDP isn't a recessionary signal because it is. What I'm saying is that it does not mean that it's a foregone conclusion that in the first half of 2022, the U.S. was in recession. Mm -hmm. In fact, the the NBER doesn't use GDP as a major part of their of their thinking. They're they're not factoring that in as a major as a major uh, line item. So, for example, the NBER is looking at real personal income minus transfer payments. They're looking at non-farm payroll, so income and employment. They're looking at in employment as gauged by the BLS, the Bureau of Labor Statistics mm-hmm. Household Survey. They're looking at real personal consumption expenditures. They're looking at sales adjusted for price fluctuations, and they're looking at industrial production. That's a whole lot more than just That's looking at GDP. Yeah. Hey, listen, uh, Br- Ray and Bristow would like to, our buddy Ray would like to uh, sort of weigh in here. Ray, welcome. What's your question? Yeah, probably a multi-part question that uh, recession, maybe maybe we're in a technical recession based on the uh, the two quarters and the NBER, whatever it is that you were just talking about, sounds like a, like a, a life ring for the Democrat administration. Why aren't they grasping at that thing? And the next thing is, back in 2008, everything was going up very nicely, and the recession was being kicked in. And then all of a sudden, it fell off a cliff. What are we looking at now, Mm. such as the housing market that fell off the cliff in 2008? What are we looking at now as being the possible new housing market, in quotes? Sure. Okay. Good question. Um, I I try not to talk politics on the show. I, I think the NBER... Um, well, I know the NBER is a nonpartisan, um, nonpartisan economic organization. It's re- the team that declares recession. It's an eight economists, and they go in and they look at all of these different things. And and truly, if I look at the two consecutive quarters of negative GDP that we've had, go back to the first quarter. The first quarter. of GDP fell because of net exports. We had more imports than we did exports by 2.6% of GDP. That one factor alone turned it negative. It wasn't all the other stuff. It wasn't gasoline. It wasn't housing costs. It wasn't food costs. It was the fact that we exported, sorry, imported more than we exported. So when you dig in and you look at the GDP numbers, I think if you did a deep dive, I think you would find that there's a whole lot more to whether or not we are in recession than just two negative quarters of GDP. Now, that said, the NBER has in times past declared recession when we didn't have two consecutive quarters of negative GDP. So my point is, A, I don't think this is a political thing, but B... It's just more it's just more complicated than that. So where do I think it goes from here? I think, you know, on the on the rosy side of things, the Fed engineers a soft landing where the economy slows down just enough to bring inflation under control and we move on. That's the very rosy soft landing picture. I'm not sure that we get that. 
But if we do go into recession, it will be a multitude of factors. It will have to be because employment slows down. It, it may very well be because supply chain pressures persist. Um, there, there's just, I don't think there's any one real factor that's going to send us into recession. I think there's a whole bunch of them. But that said, I don't think this is a 2008-esque uh, recession. I don't think this is an economic collapse by any stretch, certainly not in housing. In the 08 recession, when we first started hearing words about subprime and, and bad loans and all this kind of thing, a full 15% of the mortgages that were out and serviceable, a full 15% of those were those exotic subprime mortgages. And as we know, looking back, that's a big part of what precipitated the housing crisis. People had these exotic mortgages they didn't understand. And by the time they did understand, it was too late and they had to leave their house. Today, we've only got 2% of mortgages that fall under that, that scary subprime category. Plus, we don't have the enough. House, the housing market analogy was just to, to show you a picture there. What what are we looking at now? There's something else besides the housing market because they've corrected that. Is it possibly the supply chain failures? Is it, is is that what's going to cause this thing to really kick into a true recession as opposed to a technical recession? And you can't separate financial planning from politics because politics drives everything now. Policy. I think is a better word. Policy, yes. Um, again, you know, they all start the same way, but they still spell the same thing. <laughs> when they, when the pol- politicians start making policy, it fails. Look at the Fed. The Fed has been failing since Yellen got into the Fed and has been going downhill ever since. They can't, they've missed the inflation. They've missed everything else. That the, he's been, and the guy admits that they admit, they missed it. So well, I don't think it? there's any denying that they missed it. <laughs> Um, and 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 I hear in your voice, and 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 we're going to have to to end the call with this comment. I hear in your voice a a sense of urgency and a sense of of impending doom, and I simply don't feel that same impending doom that you do. I think that the next recession is a pretty short, pretty light one. I don't think this is two thousand eight esque at all. I think there are a number of pieces. Uh, sort of pouring into this. We've definitely got the inflation problem. We've definitely got still some supply chain problems. We have got potentially an employment problem on the reverse because companies have positions that they can't fill. So where does this thing skid into recession? I don't know, but I don't think it is this big looming dark cloud that's going to send us 10 years back in terms of our economics, both at home and in the country. Ray, certainly appreciate the call. Uh, 855-767-3123, 855-ROSE-123, if you'd like to weigh in here this morning with Dina Arnett here in studio. Let's say we take a quick break here, Dina. We'll be back with more of the Larry Rosenthal Show with Dina Arnett in studio with us here in just a couple of minutes. Stay tuned. listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. 
are still too many countries that give little or no assistance to disabled children. In third world nations, these children could be left alone while parents try to eke out a living. About 10 years ago, residents of Prince William and Fauquier counties in Virginia formed Children with Disabilities Fund International. It focuses on the needs of disabled children. CDFI's current work in Jamaica and Kenya supports about 300 disabled children and their families. For some of these children, they're getting the care they need for the first time in their lives. CDFI recently began an individual child sponsorship program in an effort to better meet the needs of these disabled children. To choose your child to sponsor, go to thecdfi.org. That's thecdfi.org. Your gift will help transform not only a disabled child's life, but the lives of their parents and of the surrounding community. Go to thecdfi.org. Make a difference. Go to thecdfi.org. Started with your financial plan today at LarryRosenthal.com or call right now for the financial planning toolkit, 855-767-3123. That's 855-ROSE-123. This is the Larry Rosenthal Show. Welcome back to the Larry Rosenthal Show, 855-767-3123, 855-ROSE-123. To talk to Dina Arnett, our financial planner expert in studio here today, if you'd like to dial in. Also, you can watch us on LarryRosenthal.tv. You can watch us in broadcast color, as they call it sometimes. Back in the day when I was, oh, that's about 100 years ago now, Dina, I think, something like that. I thought it was glorious technicolor. That's a long time ago, too. I remember those. <laughs> that was always fun. <laughs> Oh, my. It takes us back just a little bit. You know, I guess some of that gray hair is starting to show. What can I tell you? <laughs> it happens. It, it happens to the best of us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I guess so. So you anyway. Know, but before the break, we were talking about are we or are we not mm-hmm. in a recession? And I'm making the case that so far, no, we're not. And I get that that people are worried. I understand that there's still this this. Well, we're all still just sort of scarred from everything that happened in the 2008 recession. And when we hear the word recession, that, I think, is what our minds go to. And at this point, I don't think that's where we're headed. And in fact, I'm not the only one. There are virtually no major Wall Street economists who expect that the NBER is going to declare recession during the first half of this year. And they're going to pin it on the hot jobs market. And and. The jobs market, even though um, we're adding something like 457,000 new jobs a month, we're still not back to the pre-COVID levels. And I think that's a big reason that the NBER won't declare a recession. But that's not the only thing. We hear all the time about how consumer spending is truly two-thirds of our GDP. And if the consumer stops spending, that GDP is going to tumble. But right now, consumer spending is still on the rise. Industrial Industrial production and job growth are still strong. These are all very, very strong fundamental signs for the economy. And that's why you're not going to hear any major economists. That's why you're not going to see the NBER come out and say, yes, definitively, we're in recession. 
it doesn't mean that they won't six months from now declare it because, as I've already said, things are slowing down. You're going to see the housing market slow down. You're going to see housing prices correct. And it's a simple function of math, right? You can't buy as much house at five and a half percent as you could at three. Sooner or later, that that relationship between house housing prices and interest rates sooner or later that's going to start to to roll over a little bit well it's also going to drive the price of housing down isn't it at some point here so well that's what i mean by roll over yeah, okay. yeah. yeah okay. it i don't think it's a housing market crash there's not enough inventory for that we've only got about two and a half months worth of inventory available for purchase in the united states and as long as that inventory problem persists, we're going to see housing prices kind of hang out at their current levels. Mm -hmm. It's the supply and demand idea, right? If I've got more demand than I've got supply, prices go up. Mm -hmm. And the inverse is true as well. If I've got more supply than I have demand, prices are going to come down. And in the housing market, we're just not there yet. 855-767-3123. 855-ROSE-123. Karen's on the phone from Dayton, Ohio. Welcome, Karen. Are you with us? Thank you. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I have a question about an inherited IRA. Uh, My father passed away December of 2020, and I received an inherited IRA, and I haven't taken any distributions from it. And I think I've heard conflicting information about if I should take a little every year or if I have Absolutely. I'm so sorry for your loss, Karen. Can you tell me, how old was your father when he passed? Uh, He was 85. Okay. This is the the line in the sand for you on this. If you inherited an IRA from someone who was already taking those annual required minimum distributions, you have to continue those. Now, what may what may be true, it may be true that those distributions are not enough to liquidate it in the required 10-year period, in which case you're going to have to make up for that somewhere along the way. But if your dad was already taking those RMDs, you must continue them. So uh, do I, so I didn't take any in 2021. Am I already in trouble for that or... Well, so technically the IRS can fine you 50% of the amount you were supposed to withdraw. Usually the IRS is forgiving the first time you miss it, as long as you go in and you make up for what you've missed. So what you would do is you would calculate the required distribution that you should have taken in 2021, and you will go ahead and take that distribution, pay the taxes, the federal and state, get that taken care of, and include a notation that says, you know, I realize I am late for this. Please um, waive any penalties the first time. This is an inherited IRA. I didn't know what I was supposed to do. Usually they'll forgive the first one. Just don't miss it again. Okay. Well, and I kind of have a related question about the IRS. Um, 
my husband and I made our payment on time this year, and it was rather large because it was an unusual year. And I got a letter stating I needed to receive our payment. And I'm now trying to prove to them that they cashed our check, <laughs> and I can't get anyone on the phone, so I'm trying to communicate everything via mail, like proving with my sure. bank information that they have their they have the money. They just don't know they have the money. Do you have any other suggestions on how to communicate with the IRS? I don't. Unfortunately, this is a story that I'm hearing quite a lot in terms of not being able to get a live human. The thing you're going to have to do, and, and I think you said you did this, but in the event that you did not say this, allow me to say, go to your bank, get a copy of the canceled check. You want a copy of the front and the back. Well, and they they turned my check to an electronic payment, and the bank actually doesn't have a copy of the check. All they have, I was able to get some tracking numbers, but unfortunately, they, even my bank doesn't have a copy of the check. It is electronically cashed, yeah. Okay, so keep following through <laughs> with this. That That's the best I can say because... Um, the, the one fear noodling in the back of my mind is, you know, I hope it was in fact the IRS that cashed it. Mm. And if you have tracking numbers and all of that kind of thing, hopefully they can prove it. This isn't the first time I have heard that the left hand doesn't know what the right hand's doing. Okay. Anytime we've got human beings dealing in, in stuff, something's going to get messed up. Um, I suspect that your check went through someone's desk, they cashed it, they sent it wherever they needed to send it, and they didn't push the right button in their computer system. And now, unfortunately, you're out the money, and you have to prove that the IRS actually cashed it. I, I wish you lots of luck. I tell you, Karen, what uh, what you, you have to kind of do is put a cup, puppet, uh, cup of coffee up and get a get, get drink in that coffee because it'll take you a half hour at least on hold before you can talk to a live person. At least that's been my experience, for sure. So, uh, so, yeah, I've, I've heard it's almost impossible to get through on the phone. So I, I detailed my case and sent it, and now I'm just waiting to hear back. I did check online to see if they credited it to our account. They still haven't. I, I guess I'm assuming it could take months. Um. I would think so, yes. They're behind. They're way behind right now. Well, they're way behind, and lots of people are still working at home. Um, Whenever you send something to the IRS, put some sort of um, return receipt requested. Make them sign for it, Mm -hmm. because otherwise you have no proof they got it. Okay. Yeah, everything needs to be Think like a lawyer. Prove everything. Yeah, it's good advice. Karen, thank you so much. uh, She said to think like a lawyer. Prove everything. (laughs) Thanks for the call, uh, Karen. We appreciate you calling us here today. If you'd like to dial in and talk to Dina Arnett, our financial expert here in studio, do so at 855-767-3123, 855-ROSE-123. You know, we talk about all this market stuff and how the market rebounded during the month of July. and, And are we in recession or are we not? What's going to happen next? What's the thing that's going to bring it all crashing down? Well, none of us knows, okay? And the best thing that we can do 
as as stewards in our own families is to plan things out. And as a certified financial planner, CFP, um, I am required to address six areas of financial planning with my clients. Did not know that. Yeah, there's six different areas of your financial life that have to be addressed and integrated with one another before you can truly say you've done comprehensive financial planning. So I want to spend our time together talking about what a financial plan looks like and what's in it, because if you have a financial plan, you've got that track to run on and you can go into your financial planner every six months, every year, whatever you work out and you can update that plan and see the progress that you've made toward your goals. And if you use a system like we have, you don't even have to wait for a moment to meet with me or one of our other advisors because you can look at your financial plan online 24 seven. Yeah, that's so cool. It is. It's wonderful. I I really appreciate um, clients being able to see their plan whenever. But in order for the plan to address everything, it's got to address these six key areas. And I'll, I'll, I'll name them off and then we'll talk about each one for a minute. Area number one is cash flow. Number two is protection planning insurances. Number three is income tax planning. Number four is investment planning. Number five is retirement planning. And number six is estate planning. So when I have analyzed each of those six areas for a client, I have laid the foundation for developing a financial plan. So many times we'll analyze this stuff and say, okay, I've analyzed it. Here you go. But an analysis is only as good as the recommendations that follow it. So for each of these categories, there should be a recommendation. So, for example, if I'm talking about cash flow, that's money coming into the checkbook and money going out. Mm-hmm. So often when I do a financial plan with clients, I ask them to show me a budget. It doesn't have to be to the penny, but we need a good idea of where you're spending your money and how much you're spending so that we can determine whether that's a sustainable thing for your financial plan. If I go into someone's cash flow report and I see automatically that they are spending more money than they're bringing in, guess what? Big red flags. Don't stop go, you know, don't pass go, mm-hmm. don't collect $200. We've got to fix the cash flow because if your spending is greater than your income, you're going to be in debt. You're not going to be able to save for the future, and that's going to keep this financial vessel capsized. It's not going to work. So very first place I start is cash flow. Well, doesn't it also kind of naturally move into what debt you have so that you can get rid of that debt to increase your cash flow? Doesn't that Absolutely, kind of, yeah. it does. Part of the cash flow planning is looking at all income, all outflow, all liabilities. And liabilities are different than expenses, right? Mm-hmm. I have to pay my electric bill every month, whether I'm at home or whether I'm traveling. I've got to pay that electric bill. It never goes away. Or, your lights, I do, or sell, your lights do. <laughs> well, yeah, you know. Um But liabilities have a time horizon. They have a lifespan. So, for example, your mortgage. Mm -hmm. If you have a 30-year fixed mortgage and that mortgage started in 2020, your mortgage timeline is over sometime in 2030. 
So when I'm looking at cash flow, I'm absolutely looking at the expenses that you pay, the regular stuff, but I'm also looking at those liabilities, determining what's the interest rate you're paying, Mm -hmm. how much are you paying each month, do you have more credit cards than you really ought to have? How do we how do we address all of those things and in what order? One of the things I see so often is people will have a handful of different credit cards with balances on them and they're paying just a little tiny bit on each one oh, every true. month and nothing's moving. Yeah, no. You nothing's could moving. Pay hundreds so, of thousands of dollars in interest that way. Well, you do. And so what I do is I redirect and say, okay, every penny of extra that you can pay in a month, you pay it on that smallest credit card until it's paid off. And then you take everything that you were paying on that one and you roll it together with the next smallest one. When you say smallest, do you mean like balance or, or balance inter- wise. interest rate? Okay. Balance wise. There's there's some there's there's some math to this, but there's also some financial psychology. If you are in debt and you've got this long list of credit cards, it can be very, very discouraging. Sure. If we do this debt snowball routine, you're going to start seeing things get paid off. And if you are in, in in debt with credit cards, if you are at a point where you just feel desperate and unable to, to gain any traction, this is a way to do it. And it will also help keep you encouraged when you see something getting paid off. Wouldn't you, so rec- it, wouldn't you recommend going down to one credit card rather than having a ton of them if you can? Or does that really compete? So it really depends. Um, one of the things I always look at the credit card that you have had the longest is going to contribute a higher uh, a higher score to your oh. overall credit rating. Interesting. So if, you know, I found out when my mom passed that I had a credit card in both of our names, and she had opened it up in both of our names when I was 16 years old. I had no idea about that credit card until she passed and we were settling the estate. Wow. If I close that credit card, it's going to ding my credit rating. So if if I'm looking at whether to go down to one card or two card, it really is case dependent. And some of it's going to depend on how long you've had the various cards. Mm -hmm. I'm not as hesitant to shut down a newer one as I am an older one. The one I've had since I was 16, I'm going to have forever. (laughs) Well, that gives you longevity in your credit history, long longevity. That's great. It does. Yeah. It absolutely does. To move you back to the to the financial planning uh, talk we were discussing, one of the fascinating things that I thought you talked about was that Monte Carlo. I had not heard that before, and that, that is neat how you stress test it and have those different scenarios. Well, and, and when we do a financial plan, you know, there's a number of things that, that we work into the plan. One of the things I talk to my clients about, and this goes to cash flow in retirement, is Social Security. Right now, if you pull down your Social Security statement from the website and you read every single word, you're going to find buried in there some language that says, and I'm not exactly quoting, but this is the gist. It says something along the lines of this. The above estimates are based on current law, but if current law is not amended by the year 2034, revenue will be sufficient to provide only 79% of the above number. It's a scary statement, actually. Well, it is. And if I flip and if I say that a different way, that says 21% pay cut to me. Yeah. Yeah. So as a financial planner, I'm talking to my client and I'm saying, look, this is what your, your social security statement says right now. 
why don't we, in doing the financial plan, just go ahead and cut these amounts by 21% and make sure you're okay if that happens? Yeah, makes sense. Yes. So those are the kind of things when we're doing financial planning, we want to go in and account for different things. You may be paying an exorbitant college uh, tuition bill right now. That's not going to go on forever. So we build in the financial plan how many years of that tuition payment you make, and then we show it going away. And in all of this planning, once we've looked at cash flow planning to make sure that you've got more inflow than outflow, then we talk about protection planning. These are the insurances. And there's a number of different insurances we all should evaluate and determine where they fit in our financial plan. If you're a homeowner, you want homeowner's insurance. If you're a renter, get a rental policy. I have heard many cases where people have lost their possessions. They've lost significant things because an apartment building they were in burned or flooded. If you have rental insurance, that helps protect against those types of things happening. And rental insurance is typically one of your less expensive policies. If you're renting out there and you don't have rental insurance, check into it. Mm-hmm. Actually, also- Dina, just, just to tell you a little, also something I experienced just the other day, the price of my home had uh, increased quite a bit, obviously, over the last couple of years with the, with the housing market. But a little known fact, if you don't go back and look at your insurance, your insurance is covering you for that lower value. And you have to kind of, right. you're going to have to, if you lose your entire house, which a friend of mine did, unfortunately, through two fire, mm-hmm. then uh, and he ended up losing a lot of money because his insurance policy only went up to that earlier value. That's yeah. right. That's a that is a great point, and that absolutely falls under protection planning. So I said homeowners insurance, um, car insurance, and these are all things that you want to evaluate at least annually. Mm-hmm. And and the housing, uh, the homeowners insurance is a great example of that. Most of us who are homeowners in this country have experienced this wild housing market. We've also, at the same time, seen the price of the materials to build a house go up. Make sure that the, the coverage you have on your home, make sure that it matches the value of your home and what it would cost to rebuild it if something happened. So homeowner's insurance, car insurance, Life insurance, if you have a family, if you have someone who is financially dependent on you, it is important to make sure that you have some life insurance to cover that other person in the event something happened to you. There's a number of different types of life insurance. That could be a show all its own. Sure Um, could. I mean, a lot of people use it for investment tools and everything else that goes along with that. Yep. Um, we can talk about the different types of insurances um, probably in a subsequent show. So I also want you to consider disability insurance. Disability insurance covers your paycheck. If something happens and you're physically unable to work for an extended period of time, disability coverage is what will help replace a part of your income. If you have disability coverage through your employer, it's important to understand what you have and whether it may be integrated with Social Security. Integrated with Social Security policies will be reduced in their payout if you qualify 
for a Social Security disability benefit. So let's say you have a $1,000 a month disability policy and you qualify for 300 a month of Social Security. The disability policy is going to pay you the 700 and they're going to expect you to file for the 300 from Social Security. So my my point in telling all of this is that if you have disability coverage through your employer, A, make sure you know what it is, know the limitations on it, whether it's integrated with Social Security, whether it expires after a certain number of months. Many times what I find is people who rely solely on their employer disability coverage are underinsured. So um, take a look at those things. Those are the most popular insurances. You also, if you're a homeowner, want to look into an umbrella policy, Mm -hmm. something that would cover all the stuff that your homeowners and your car insurance won't cover. For example, if somebody slips on your sidewalk in the winter and there's a medical claim, your umbrella policy is going to cover those types of things. Those are usually less expensive policies than some of the others. I know I remember when we were first doing our insurance policy, they suggested that we come up with an inventory of everything in your home. So if you did lose it, you would be able to replace it with the value. That's kind of an important thing, I think, to do that. Well, it is. And I think taking pictures of those things, um, you know, it proves ownership. But it also can help in a situation where you have to replace things. Mm -hmm. You'll have it. Oh, very good. Hey, let's take a quick uh, quick break. We'll be back with more of the Larry Rosenthal Show. I can't speak today. I don't know what's going on. Tongue twisted day. (laughs) 855-767-3123. 855-ROSE-123. To talk to Dina Arnett, our financial and retirement expert here in studio. It's great to have her. Isn't she smart? We love having her here. You are listening to Making Money Sense Live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. And here's another Money Minute with Larry Rosenthal. So many different ways to invest money. Lump sum deposits, buy and hold, market timing. How about dollar cost averaging? Put the same amount of money into the same investment at every interval, whether it's monthly, quarterly, annually, whatever it may be. This gives you the greatest opportunity to get the average price over the long term of the investment because one of the secrets to creating wealth is the acquisition of shares. You want to keep buying more and more shares over time. On the flip side, when you're in your retirement years and you want to distribute dollars to yourself for income, do the same thing in reverse. Dollar cost average out during your retirement years. And here's another Money Minute with Larry Rosenthal. We've all heard of more risky. Sound financial advice you can depend on. You found the Larry Rosenthal Show. Call now with your questions, 855-767-3123, or stop by LarryRosenthal.com. This is the Larry Rosenthal Show. Thanks for joining us for the Larry Rosenthal Show. If you'd like to dial in, we have a few minutes left here in the show, 855-767-3123, 855-ROSE-123, to talk to Dina Arnett here in studio. Dina. Talking about financial planning, and I want our listeners to understand the components of a financial plan. A financial plan should address cash flow, 
money coming in, money going out, protection planning, all of the insurances and whether you need them in their current amounts. And when we do that, we can evaluate and see whether you're paying the right price for those coverages. So many times I see people who either don't have enough coverage, but they're paying too much for what they have, or they have too much coverage, and we can scale some of that back and redeploy dollars elsewhere. But protection planning is an enormous part of doing an overall financial plan. And as you might guess, income tax planning is a big deal. If you've got all of your money going into your 401k on a pre-tax basis, what's that going to do to you down the road? Is that going to create income tax problems for you in retirement? Or is your income going to be lower enough in retirement that that's not a worry? If not, perhaps we could do some proactive income tax planning and start doing Roth conversions. Peel off pieces of those 401k plans. Pay the taxes on them now so that you never, ever owe taxes on them again. That's a good part of income tax planning. It's not just filing the taxes today. It's looking at the long-term income tax impact of financial decisions that you make right now. Let's uh, take a second, quick break and talk to Elizabeth and Chantilly. Elizabeth's got a question for you. Go ahead with your question, Elizabeth. Are you with us? Oops, I guess I should push that button. Um, Go ahead. Planning that you go over. Could you repeat that? We kind of got started a little bit late here. Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry about that. Um, I was just wondering if you could repeat the six uh, plannings that you go over, the estate planning, the retirement, and then I missed the other ones. I'm so sorry. No problem. No problem. They are cash flow, protection planning, income tax planning, investment planning, retirement planning, and estate planning. Income tax. Okay, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Thanks for for getting us on track and letting us repeat that. Appreciate that too. 855-767-3123. Talked about income tax planning. The last three categories in your financial plan are investment planning, retirement planning, and estate planning. Investment planning is taking a look at all the investments that you have and making sure that they fit your plan. Are they too risky for where you are in life? Are they too conservative and they're not going to keep pace with taxes and inflation? When we look at investment planning in your overall financial plan, those are the types of questions we're asking. Of course, we're looking at security selection. Are you picking individual stocks? Are you picking ETFs? Are you picking closed-ended funds? Are you picking mutual funds? Are you picking annuities? All of this goes into the investment planning part of your financial plan. And this is one piece that gets updated as regularly as you want to update your financial plan. Some clients update their plans every six months, some wait a year. Retirement planning is a huge part of the financial plan because it's arguably one of the most expensive parts. Retirement planning is where we determine how you're going to fund your lifestyle from the time you leave work that last time until God calls you home arguably one of the most expensive pieces. And if we've done a good job of all the other five pieces, we've got to talk about estate planning. How are we going to transfer all of your hard-earned assets to the next generation, to charity, to your grandkids, your great-grandkids? What kind of legacy are you going to leave? So when I do a financial plan, 
I'm looking at all six of them. Cash flow, protection planning, income taxes, investments, retirement, and estate planning. That's what makes a comprehensive financial plan. Anything less, not a comprehensive plan. Yeah. If you wanted to get a financial plan, what are the best ways to get started with that? Well, I would say, first of all, someone who's out there listening and says, hey, I need a financial plan, contact us right now and we'll send you our financial planning toolkit. This is just an organizer. This helps you know which pieces to pull together and quantify so that we can take that data and put it into your financial plan. Again, the financial planning toolkit, it's a 10,000 foot view of your finances and it's a guide to help you get those finances organized. That's where we start on a financial plan. Excellent. We've just got a couple of minutes left here, but let's talk to Anna who is in Clinton, Maryland with a question for you. Go ahead, Anna. Yes. Good morning. Uh, My question is I have a TSP account Mm -hmm. and I heard Dina mention something about um, paying taxes ahead of time. I just turned 70 and of course I'm not Start have not start receiving monies from it. So I need to know: should I prepare to pay taxes on it now before I start receiving the income from it, or what? What do I do? So when I talked about paying the taxes now versus paying the taxes later, I was talking uh-huh. about doing what's called a Roth conversion, and a Roth conversion is where we take money, pre-tax money. And we pay the taxes on it, and we sit it to the side for five years. When we do that, we have to leave the money untouched for a period of five years so that that money can grow tax-free for you. So whether or not to do Roth conversion, that's a part of an overall financial plan. And if you want to talk about that offline, I'm happy to do that. We can get you on the schedule and discuss whether that may make sense for your situation. But it's it's never an all or nothing, and it's never a one-size-fits-all. So I'd need to know more about, about your financial circumstances. Okay, sounds good to me. All right. All right, stand by, and Bob can get your information. We'll put you on a hold here. And just to kind of summarize, as we're kind of winding down here on our time uh, uh, there, Dina, Well, to summarize, the market in July had its best month since 2020. The Fed raised interest rates another three quarters of a percentage point. They're taking a break in August. We'll hear from the Fed again in September. Um, We also had the dreaded two consecutive quarters of negative GDP, which has some people saying we are already in recession. My commentary on that was I think it takes more than two quarters of negative GDP. It may be coming because the Fed is engineering a slowdown. Don't be afraid of it. It's not, it's not a sky is falling type of scenario. And the most important thing I said today was if you have not had a financial plan prepared for your family and you don't have someone who reviews this plan for you regularly, it's time to get one. A financial plan is going to cover six areas, cash flow, protection planning, income tax planning, investments, retirement, and estate planning. If you don't have a financial planner, I know a good one. (laughs) I do, too, and she's looking at us. 855-767-3123, 855-ROSE123. During the week, you call that number so you can get started with your financial plan. Thanks for listening today. Thanks for watching us on LarryRosenthal.tv. Great to have you again, Dina. We'll catch you again the next time you're with us, and we appreciate you being here. Take care. We'll talk to you again next time on another edition of the Larry Rosenthal Show.
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.